Today on Podcast Them Down, we're talking about the dead men of Dunharrow. Podcast Them Down! Welcome to Podcast Them Down. I'm Tim Regan from U.S. power metal band Burning Shadows, Fade to Black Metallica Tribute, Dual Violin folk metal band Eisenmore, and Recently Vacated Graves True Zombie Metal. Be sure to subscribe, like, or follow. And now, on with the show. All right, I am here with Dave the Spence Hammer from Burning Shadows and Eisenmore. <laughs> and uh, I figured today we could talk about the Dead Men of Dunharrow, which is a uh, the inspiration behind two different Burning Shadows songs. And it is not the most content we've gotten from the smallest amount of in, uh, inspiration, but it's, it's, it's up there. So the, the, uh, the smallest nugget of inspiration that created the most music inspiration for burning shadows is a different episode. So this is the second smallest in my opinion. So Dave, I'm going to defer to you. You're the expert on Lord of the Rings, at least relative to me. <laughs> So, thank who you. For are, who qualifying are, that? are the Dead Men of Dunharrow? So, the Dead Men of Dunharrow are the cursed spirits of a group of the lesser line of men. So, like, if we're thinking about the second age of the world, um, there's the Numenorians, and then there's the men that stayed in Middle Earth after the First Age. And uh, that lesser line lived in you know, assorted regions and in the white mountains in the South of middle earth, there was this tribe that had gone wild and was tempted into the worship of Sauron in the late second age as the last Alliance of elves and men was like coming into, you know, like coalescing into a thing. And, uh, at the time of the end of that first war of the ring, um, Isildur goes to this tribe of basically wild mountain men in the White Mountains and asks, uh, you know, when the time comes, will you fight with us against Sauron? And they're like, sure, yeah, we will. Well, that day comes, those guys refuse to leave the mountains, so Isildur curses them and he says, may you stay here forever until your oath is fulfilled. And so they do. Damned to endure in the White Mountains that become this haunted zone that Aragorn and the Grey Company then must take during the War of the Ring in the Third Age. Uh, Aragorn, of course, being Isildur's heir. So that kind of ties itself back into its origin, Isildur's heir being the only one who can, you know, allow them to redeem the curse by fulfilling their oath. So Aragorn calls upon them to, uh, you know, escort him and the Grey Company of the Dunedain, uh, along with Gimli the Dwarf and Legolas the Elf, uh, through the White Mountains, around up the coast, and towards... Oh, hell, and I'm forgetting the name of the city now. Uh, well, I think all towards, the names you've dropped, people will forgive you. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> Not the Lord of the Rings crowd. So let me check. Um, mm -mm. Actually... At any rate, forget, the name of the city notwithstanding, the dead men uh, agree to fight against the hosts of the men of the east, the Harad, uh, and in so doing, 
fulfill their oath uh, to Isildur's line and redeem the curse and are able to pass out of the world. So, two things I want to say right off the bat about this whole story. One, I think it's interesting that Burning Shadows has written two songs about what are essentially zombie warriors uh, <laughs> adjacent to recently vacated graves, one might say. Oh, uh, way to tie it in. Nice. <laughs> and the second is is the uh, the connection that Tolkien has on such a fundamental level to the Northern myth, in that death in battle is glorious and uh, provides release and paradise, and that cowardice and the refusal to take up arms in, in these kinds of struggles damns you to a sort of perpetual hell of, if not torment, then, you know, uh, disrepute, you know? Uh, no glory attached to your name and kind of stain on that legacy, enduring as specters until, you know, they take up that valorous quest, as it were. Uh, so I think it's interesting to consider it in that, in that context as well. Musically speaking, I think that the two songs couldn't be more different. So Oathbreaker, uh, the one that was written by, was that, that was you and Greg, right? That was, that was all me. Oh, that was all Tim. I, oh, well, then maybe me, you're best to, uh, to talk about it. Let me put it this way. I have the sole credits on it. <laughs> so, uh, if I mean, Greg wrote the solo. <laughs> so, Wait, did you do all the lyrics? Yes, I did the lyrics as well. Oh, right on. I don't read the liner notes to our albums, uh, so I have no idea who's written what. I make the I liner notes for our albums, so, <laughs> so I have a good reference. I write the history. That's right. I, I just have to go off of like feel. It's like this one feels like a Tim song. Um, but I felt like Greg wrote the lyrics. But no, um, Greg. I think I, at that time Greg was writing the lion's share of the lyrics, and uh, I don't know. It's obvious to me uh, if you looked at a song. It's obvious to me which ones I wrote. <laughs> And which ones Greg wrote? Because uh, Greg had has a better way with words from time to time. But I, I'm I'm pretty proud of uh, the way Oathbreaker came out. Yeah. Worked out. Oh yes. Um, but it's for anyone who's unfamiliar with the tune. It's it is a thrashy, aggressive uh, mosher of a tune. And Paths of the Dead is kind of a galloping. Uh, more triumphant sounding kind of journey song, and well, uh, that, even the, know, even though the subject matter is essentially identical, yeah, that works out because more stuff happens in in Paths of the Dead <laughs> lyrically. There's more of a of a journey. <laughs> so, so what, what was the? Because so I wrote the lyrics for Paths of the Dead, and I did so kind of on a deadline, like I'm not used to working for Burning Shadows, um, or really any of my hobbies, unless it's about to go bad. I feel like most of my hobby deadlines are, are pretty fluid, but we had to get this ready so that we could record it to release it when we went to Europe in 2019 in December. And what was the impetus for doing the Lord of the Rings song? You had the chorus written down already, right? Yeah, so that's interesting. So Christopher, uh, the other guitarist, wrote i believe he wrote the whole thing you know i'll have to check my liner notes <laughs> it seems like it came fully formed yeah i think 
he wrote the vast majority, if not all, of the music in that. And, uh, yeah, like you said, we were in a time crunch because we had to get stuff recorded. And I think we had to, like, we had to track vocals in, like, a week or two, <laughs> you know, and, like, no songs were written. In and- a week or two, of course, you mean, like, it was within one or two weeks that the vocals would be recorded on over the course of a single was it a day or a weekend? It was one day. We did all the vocals for that album. Yeah. So for Paths of the Dead, available on Beneath the Ruins, uh, available from Rathchild Records, um, <laughs> the uh, the chorus like uh, just came to me because it follows the guitar line, and mm-hmm. it sounded to me. The, the cadence of far beneath the world was perfect popped into my head and uh that reminded me of when they were going through the paths of the dead so i was able to flesh out a chorus and then i was like okay now i'm stuck <laughs> and so i went to you and i said dave i have a chorus <laughs> can you write the rest of the song? And by this point, I believe everything had been totally recorded. So we had the structure, right? I listened to that song so many times trying to come up with a vocal melody because that wasn't immediately evident. The riffs are like, it gives a really, really good framework for a melody, but no melody was there. Yeah. so So I spent part of the time trying to find a melody and then attach words in cadence to that about what happens building up to them going in. Yes. So the um if the vocals seem dense, it's because uh they were written after the song structure was finalized. And again, not the perfect way to uh write a song, <laughs> but I think it came out great. It's like it 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 uh it gets right to the point. Here we go. <laughs> You know, and um, yeah, so it is straight to the point, indeed. So, I believe that was the only song ever that has had a vocal demo like that. That we had to tell Tom, here's how to sing it, you know, because usually, usually there's a lot more time or it's more evident, and we can just sit down with the lyrics and just kind of hash it out, but. That time, um, for that song and only that song, we had to, uh, you came over and demoed the vocals so Tom would have a point of reference because the vocals, like a lot of the times, uh, Shadow from the Steeple is a good example. Like the vocals just kind of follow the guitar riffs, you know, but yes. uh, So a lot of the times they're self-evident, not always, uh, but in this case, you know, we had to we had to uh, get it all down because you couldn't be present at the recording with uh, Tom. So we we just like Tom would listen to the demo a couple times and then record the line, and it came out great. And Tom did a really fantastic job of um, kind of interpreting. The, like what I cannot do as a singer into something that sounds good. That's, you know, in, in his range and style that I just 
you know, because I would try to do an ornamentation or something, and he just improved upon it vastly for the final product. This is also one of the... There's a handful of songs that your backup vocals are on the recording. So I am proud. Yeah, this is one of my favorite vocal credits because I did the uh, the harsh vocals for it. Which yeah, I usually tru- I really enjoy it. my I, job, but you did a better job. So like I'm I, these. I, I'm I really I like doing it. I can't do it while I play, so it's only going to be for like. <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't know. I've always kind of it been in awe of drummers who can sing and play at the same time. I don't know. And honestly, I can't believe instrumentalists who play and sing at the same time. Having grown up playing the piano and also learning the guitar from a young age, like I've never sung and played at the same time. And it's just such different sections of my brain that I can't imagine doing it well. So I have a feeling we're going to come back to the song a little bit, but I think, I think what really sparked the the far beneath the world idea and the whole paths of the dead concept for that song was I was um, we were getting ready we we were kind of like preparing for the for the European tour and I wanted to resurrect the intro track so uh, you you know so bands like to come out yeah. to an intro yeah. thing and I had uh all, a long time ago I grabbed the snippet of uh Return of the King the the Peter Jackson movie where yes. Legolas is explaining it's like uh from the north shall he come need shall drive him this and that he's like reciting the prophecy right and yep. uh it ends with um him saying uh the paths of the dead so i had found that and i was like there's the subject you, you know that that fits the chorus but the reason we had had that uh intro was when oathbreaker came out that's how i wanted to start sets so it's this minute long thing you know it's it's legolas talking and then we play oathbreaker which is the song about the dead men of dunharrow um it's specifically it's about the fact that they broke the oath and they're cursed like nothing happens in the song they they don't break the curse <laughs> but um uh this is true it's not a story song it is it is a de- depiction right. it's a right out there they're the oathbreakers like that's what they did and who they are yeah, I'm. May, maybe I sound like I'm underselling it, <laughs> but but yeah. No, I mean it's it's a hard thrash banger. Like we don't play. Burning Shadows tends to go overly ambitious, right? And I don't know. With with Oathbreaker, it's like it is what you get is what it says it is. You know, Oathbreaker. There they were. They broke their oath. They swore and broke in treachery. I don't remember the lyrics, but right. Yeah. You know. You got all the words. <laughs> There's all the words there, and um, but it is a fan favorite. And like I, when I think Oathbreaker, what I think of is playing on stage at Julito's Discotheque in Hyattsville, Maryland, and just like <laughs> uh, the purple and orange gel lights and the fucking pit going, and people singing the lyrics that we have not personally met, which you know never ceases to astonish me. 
as, as a <laughs> more or less amateur musician is like, I don't know you, but you know my music. Yeah. So, and yeah. Yes. That intro I like I've had ready for 15 years now, almost not quite, but, uh, <laughs> it, it, uh, it, uh, we only did it a handful of times live, and I remember distinctly one of those times we were all on stage because it was one of those things where, like, you, you, uh, set up, uh, because you have like seven and a half minutes to set up. So you set up, you're ready to go, and they're like, okay, go. And I'm like, start playing. I guess hit. <laughs> hit the intro and so it goes we're kind of standing there for a minute while the thing's going on i'm like it, it doesn't build the tension if we're just standing on stage waiting for the exactly. intro to finish like even even i mean even at jacks because of course this makes me think of you know war of wrath directly into into the storm and even at jacks they had the presence of mind to stand off stage and you know as the local opener, you don't always have that luxury. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, hopefully, you know, in the future, we'll have a backstage. <laughs> we'll be able to walk off and start the intro and come out and do Oathbreaker or Paths of the Dead. I think they'd both work. <laughs> I'm calling it. Song. I'm calling it right now, Tim. And I'm going to spoil it for everybody in the next, what year is it? 2021? In the next four years. Um, you'll forget I said this. We should do when we do our 25th anniversary show because right. 20th anniversary shot. Like, yeah, I, oh, we could on. do Burning Shadows turns 21, I guess. Hey, there you go. We still have a little bit of time for that, but we should do two sets and we should kick both of them off with uh, Legolas explaining it, but play Oathbreaker <laughs> for the first set and Paths of the Dead for the second. Love it. That's brilliant. I will forget. <laughs> and, and it's, I'm not gonna. It's like, it's, like they already did this. They already did. <laughs> At set break, we should play uh, an assortment of like just the choicest old clips from like WMUC and uh, like the. I'm full of that's going to be another podcast episode. Um, (laughs) Planning the 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 planning the 25th anniversary show, yeah. Uh, But um, if I can, Ali, Annie McBeal, it back to the matter at hand. Um, um, <laughs> Annie McBeal, <laughs> Annie McBeal, That's who was single female? No, it was single female lawyer. Lawyer. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> You're doing a future, a uh, more timely Futurama reference. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's just like when 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 poor Leela runs out of script. Um, um, why, why, why doesn't Ross, the the largest friend, simply consume the other friends? <laughs> Perhaps they're saving it for sweeps. <laughs> so <laughs> wait did you have another point uh no i was gonna try to bring things back on track towards uh something paths of the dead adjacent you know like cul-de-sacs of the moribund or whatever that's that's the lounge version <laughs> of the song so um so the record so uh Okay, I I did mention that Paths of the Dead is available on the whatever album that is. Uh, Beneath the Ruins <laughs> Beneath EP. The, ruins the exclusive EP. Yeah. Very limited quantities worldwide. On uh, Rathchi- Rath 
child records the raf like the royal air force like aces high that's our boy raf that's right and the uh oathbreaker itself there's a live version on there uh that's see, right we, there we, we give you value even when it's an ep you know there's still seven tracks and it's longer than uh, a slayer album <laughs> so that's right um that's what I meant by we tend to be overly ambitious. But Oathbreaker, the song, that came out on the Oathbreaker EP. So the Oathbreaker EP was the first one Tom was on because Greg uh, Greg surrendered the lead vocal duties to Tom. Uh, and the idea was that we'd re-record some old songs. So we redid Second Son, Supernatural Warfare, Whisper Suffering, and then a CD bonus track was Honor of the Dark, one of the many times we re-recorded it. <laughs> and, um, and so those are all the Into the Primordial versions with Tom singing, but I was like, we need to add a new song, and I believe at the time that was the newest song that was the most ready. Here we go. So we did that song. And who did the who did the drums for that? Was that uh, our, the, our, our oh, former? You set, you set it up perfectly. Yeah, so, that's right. Because it wasn't me. The guy who uh, who played drums on that. So I think we had a drummer add out because you were out of the state. So you were. This was 2010, I think, when we recorded it. It came out in September 2010. So then this was yeah, I was in 2010. I was on the road at that point. Yeah, uh, uh, being a vagabond, <laughs> vagabond carny, sir, a rover wanderer, nomad carny, call me. Which, <laughs> so I like um, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so a guy answered. I believe someone answered our ad, and he says, "I'm not from the area, but I do studio recording. So if you have anything you want me to do." I'll record it. And, uh, you know, it, it was like some reasonable price. So the guy who answered the ad was Peter Hunt from Australia. And he was in Dragon Force when they were still Dragon Heart. So he was the original drummer for Dragon Force. And I guess, I guess he lived in the UK at the time. And then deep lore. Yeah, so I was like, sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I, I there's an angle to promote. And so what he did, uh, keep in mind, this was a long time ago. Like, it's this is so much easier to do now than it than it was. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, I was impressed that you had an Australian, like, didn't know who it was. Like, a, Pete Hunt did not mean anything to me name-wise. But the the fact that Burning Shadows was collaborating with Australia at that time in life was shocking to me. And also, I have to mention that this does also give us a degree of separation away from Balsagoth. <laughs> because through the Dragon Force drummer bit, Dave McIntosh, who succeeded Pete Hunt in in Dragon Force, unless I'm unless there's somebody that I'm skipping, was also the drummer for Balsagoth. Right, nice. On certain albums, I'll take your word for it. I mean, I can look I think it up, so. but 
God, that band. You so know, much, it's easier to so not much look sound. <laughs> so, um, so what he did was he sent an eight track recording, you know, like, uh, like you put into your car. Yeah. <laughs> not, not one of those, but he, he sent <laughs> three takes of the song and, uh, mailed it on a burn CD from Australia. So I had forgotten about it by the time it got there. Cause we're like, you know, we had it recorded and the song's mm-hmm. easy to do. Cause it's like one tempo, <laughs> you know? So, right. um, so he sent it and I chopped up the takes into something I like. There was one thing I changed where I forgot, uh, if he, played snares on downbeats but i wanted on them on upbeats or something like that so i actually there's there's one drum riff in there that i actually slid over a half a beat and it worked well done <laughs> so, sir yeah so i'll you know listen for the edit <laughs> hey if you have a reliable input you can do whatever you want with that music that's right so yeah he did he did great i just took the best parts of what i liked and kind of glued it together yeah. And so then, probably in around 2019, something something along those lines, we we got a message from someone who goes, "Hey, do you know how to contact Pete Hunt?" And I really, I was like, uh, "Why?" <laughs> <laughs> so this is guy, this about money? <laughs> this guy got a Dragon Heart uh, demo or EP. And he was getting it autographed by everyone who was in the band at the time. And he got everyone, including ZP30, you know, the singer, yeah, the, the yeah. former singer of Dragon Polish Force. Polish dude, right? Uh, he was South African and he's living in the UK, I believe. Then the, I'm totally wrong. <laughs> so, well, I, I could be wrong too. But um, uh, he's like, the one I'm missing is pete hunt so i actually i was like i'm not sure if he wants me just giving out his email address and by the way i haven't talked to him in in 10 years since he delivered oathbreaker and i'm like yeah so um he probably remembers doing it yeah maybe (laughs) but uh you know so after after i suggested some other ways to find him i was like fine here here's the email i contacted a decade ago (laughs) (laughs) and uh it uh it was still active the guy sent the cd to australia got it uh autographed and he sent it back so apparently he's still uh he's still uh uh proud of it to the point where he will autograph stuff (laughs) hell yeah i mean i would autograph it I would autograph anything sent to me in the mail. And I think now is a good opportunity to apologize to the fine people who ordered the Burning Shadows CDs that took probably at this point nigh on years to arrive after being signed. But we all lived through a pandemic, and also the traffic around here is really bad. And we will, you know, buy you five beers when you come see us at a show. Yes. Five. Wait, to split between all of you, not five this, beers each. <laughs> this is this is a visual thing. Five. There we go. <laughs> oh man, you need more guitar next to him on your guitars. I do. <laughs> You're right. You, you know what? If I had some super glue, I bet I can make this happen. 
So, um, so another thing about Oathbreaker that uh, hopefully has been lost to time is the original uh, cover for the EP has the the um, has one of the Oathbreakers, and so it was supposed to be inspired by the story, but. I didn't mm-hmm. like how it turned out. So the guy who did that artwork is the same guy. The original Oathbreaker EP artwork is the same guy who did Into the Primordial, Amongst the Dying Waves, and The Darkest really? Winter. So you you know, so it was going to be the fourth one he did. <clears throat> we actually did get him pressed, but when it came out, uh, it's just like it wasn't sitting right. We oh, we didn't, I remember it was like that orangey greenish like haze. That's the one. I, I think I may still have one of those somewhere at my parents' house, believe it or not. Right, and then the second favor. find it and then burn it. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. I've got a very complete collection of burning shadows crap. <laughs> yeah. So if you look inside, there's like a a he he when we repressed it with the new cover, which I'll I'll come back to, um the new cover, the the inside was all his, the original stuff. So there's a um it was just the cover that didn't sit well, but there's like a sphere looking thing that's supposed to be the stone in the shadow of which they swore the oath. Indeed, the stone of Eric, which does not get featured in Peter Jackson's visual representation of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So this was something, and I'm going to hop back to Paths of the Dead for a moment, that I really wanted to touch on because what they show you in. Peter Jackson's trilogy is not really hewing to the text, shall we say. And I think this is because Peter Jackson is on uh, on record, and I'm not going to cite my sources at all, uh, as saying that he hated... <laughs> He hated the uh, the Dead Men of Dunharrow because it was an unbelievable literary device. It was kind of a deus ex machina. It's like, here it is, the forces of men and the remaining elves of Middle-earth and the ring bearer and the what's left of the fellowship all arrayed against the might of Baradur. And you're going to throw in fucking zombie ghosts to, like, clear <laughs> the path? I get it. I get it. It yeah, is. It, I get it. That's you that's valid I suppose. Uh but so he put it in there because and and the the website this amused me because uh of the the wording because it's not like strictly proper English but when you read it in proper English it's very funny. They were worried about <laughs> pissing off large fans of the series. Like I understand that they mean that they were, you know, concerned about aggravating Super fans, like big Tolkien <laughs> fans, but it's in the in the in the actual like article that I was reading. It was like they made he, he decided to make this change in order to avoid angering large Lord of the Rings fans. <laughs> just like imagining these just like lumbering nerds <laughs> approaching the set. Put the dead men in. Where bring us KFC. <laughs> But it was outside. So he portrays it as happening like this battle in a dungeon in a mountain. But really, the paths of the dead are like a crack between the White Mountains 
that lead out into this haunted vale upon which sits a stone on a pedestal where that oath was sworn. And that's where or Aragorn unfurls the banner and says, here I am, the heir of Isildur. Here's the sword that was broken. Redeem your oath and get your rest. Come fight. Which is way fucking cooler than what happens in the movie, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, just to recap, <laughs> Oathbreaker, based on the movie. Paths of the Dead, based on the book. <laughs> okay. I like both songs equally, though. Yes, but I, I, when I wrote the, uh, when I wrote Oathbreaker, I was inspired by the movie. And when you wrote uh, Paths of the Dead, you uh, stayed closer to the book. This is true. I mean, Michelle, okay, so my wife Michelle and I have attempted to watch The Lord of the Rings. And I want to preface this by saying, let me really backtrack and preface by saying that we are both enormous Lord of the Rings fans. The whole reason we ever went out on a first date is because she was taking a graduate level course in Lord of the Rings, like Tolkien and context literature. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds my speed. And <laughs> so we've both seen the entire trilogy numerous times independently, but we've never once managed to get through even a single of the films by ourselves together. Like, since we've been together or married. Why, we've can, tried. Do you have to keep pausing it to complain? <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Is, did you know? Uh, yes, I did a thesis on it. <laughs> right. And, uh, we've never, like, we, we tried during pandemics, during blizzards, we've tried to watch the movies and it has never once happened. So I was like, faced with this deadline, I knew I couldn't sit down with her and be like, hey, we need to watch Return of the King tonight. Because it was not going to happen. So I went to the text. Because it's easy for me to sit there and read what is essentially three pages of written words. You know? There, there is so little written about this moment that is iconic. Like, to illustrate this a little bit. Um, I've gotten the bug for, like, collecting printed art. And there was a release today that was... Uh, done through a, a gallery that they specialize in like pop art. So, you know, artist interpretations of various movies and like things like this. And this was uh, a Lord of the Rings collection and it showed a variety of Lord of the Rings characters in various scenes. So like Legolas on a horse with a bow and uh, Gandalf and Shadowfax standing in the woods and Frodo at Mount Doom. And the one of Aragorn that they chose was him charging through with the dead men in their like green phantasmic forms. And it's so, uh, not strange necessarily, but kind of, you know, astonishing to me that, such a small amount of text became such a great cultural thing that everyone seems to recognize. And that is, you know, kind of like iconic of who some of these characters are now in the popular vision. Yeah. Clear. It clearly uh, resonated with me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's an indelible mark. Uh, that's made when one watches the films. It's it's the first time that there's kind of like 
objectively obvious supernatural magic stuff happening. Like, there's a little bit with Gandalf and the Balrog, and, you know, obviously there's the more mundane magic of the ring itself and of Ents and etc. But, like, man, the Dead Men, and, like, prior to Barad-dur collapsing, it's the first moment that you see in the films that is really just, like, boom, magic shit. <laughs> yep. Man, the internet's going to correct me so hard if people watch and listen. Um, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so uh, if you want to hear these songs, you know, I've already referenced many times. <laughs> they are on the Oathbreaker EP and the uh, Beneath the Ruins EP, and those are both available on Bandcamp and Spotify and all those just search Burning Shadows. I'm sure we'll put links in the descriptions to the Bandcamp one, and I'll probably be probably begrudgingly put a Spotify link in there. <laughs> so hey, Spotify is great. You can also check out uh, Spence Hammer's selections, my classic curated choices of metal yeah. songs that mean a lot to me. Stay safe on your travels through the past of the dead. Good night. Thanks for listening to Podcast Them Down. You can find Burning Shadows, Eisenmore, and Recently Vacated Graves on Bandcamp, as well as Facebook, along with Fade to Black Metallica Tribute and Podcast Them Down itself. Until next time, keep it metal.